hey guys, welcome back to the Forgotten Jesus Podcast. My name is Andrew Bolton. Again, here with Pastor Robbie Gowdy and Candy. Are y'all ready? I'm ready. You got your coffee this morning. Yep. As ready as I'm a be. Full transparency, Candy's been yawning over yeah. here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so tired today. It is a rainy day here in Tennessee yeah. to start the podcast. And my dogs kept me up because of the bad weather. <laughs> okay, yeah. Pastor. So last episode... We talked about the Maccabean Revolt. Mm. And now we're talking about these these groups that have been formed that are going to lead up to Jesus coming. Yeah, a lot of people just assume by reading the New Testament that the five different groups that we see throughout the Gospels have always been there. Right. But mm. they weren't. They actually came as a result of a working temple uh, after the Maccabean Revolt, uh, order back into Jerusalem, the Jews actually back in control for a short period of time. And do you remember the five different groups as we start? The Zealots. The Zealots were one. Yeah, you started with the Zealots, good. which I is interesting. Well, that was yeah, the last we one that we guessed one, yeah. last time. Okay, so. that was good. The Zealots. The, um, the Essenes. The Essenes are another. Uh, the Nephilim. <laughs> oh, man, no, I keep going back to that one one day. That is funny, though, because everybody wants to know about the Nephilim. We have to do a whole episode on the Nephilim, yeah. No, the... The Pharisees. The Pharisees. The Sadducees. The Sadducees. Mm. And the... The last one nobody ever gets. Wait, don't tell us. We're it's a guess political it. group. Nationalist group. Uh, the, uh, more, not the Sanhedrin. Not necessarily, not necessarily nationalist. More, um, more corrupt than anything. Uh, they were... What does it start with? An H. The Herodians. The Herodians, Ooh, the Herodians. yes. Named after Herod um, Antipas? the Great. Well, Herod Antipas <laughs> was one of the ones later. But Herod Antipas. Pop quiz. Who were the three sons of Herod the Great that he left his empire to after 4 BC when he dies? Herod the Good, Herod the Okay, <laughs> and Herod, and the, Herod poor. the Poor. Yeah, yeah no, Herod, no, no. <laughs> So are they all Herods? Uh, yeah, Herod, Herod Antipas. Antipas, right. Herod, would it be Herod the Great? No, Herod the Great's dead. The other two are hard. Herod Philip oh. and Herod Archelaus. I mean, that those were my next. Right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, right, I mean, they're right there. Uh, Archelaus, Archelaus doesn't last long. It's down to Philip and Herod. Um, Herod. Um, Antipas? No. Yeah, Philip and Antipas. Um, and they are the ones leading at the time of Jesus. So you may remember those. Okay. Remember, Jesus says that fox Herod. That's what he's talking about. Who actually kills mm. John the Baptist because he's sleeping with Herodias. So if, if Jesus calls people foxes, we can call them. You said like John that too. the Baptist was sleeping with. No, no. John the Baptist was beheaded. I know. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> because he called out Herod for sleeping with his brother's wife. This is now the Jerry Springer podcast, not the. No, yeah, no, no, no. It's not Jerry Springer. Okay. So we have these five groups. They all come into being after the Maccabean Revolt, roughly 168, 160. Uh, 9, uh, 168, 169 BC. And so these groups are formed. Now, let me just give you kind of a context of what happens after that. A lot of people are unfamiliar with this, but 100 years before the coming of Jesus to 100 years after Jesus's death on the cross, guess how many people rose up and claimed to be the Messiah? Like 100. 100. Now, you got to understand what the claim to Messiah meant. 30. The claim to Messiah was not a new concept for them, okay? We, we think Messiah means only Jesus. It's way bigger than that. You have to understand. Messiah means anointed one, mm -hmm. one that is set apart with a divine position. Now, three different offices could be Messiah, a priest, a prophet, or a king, 
They could be messiahs. They could be messiah types. So think of the people through the through the Bible. You have Aaron, who's anointed the Messiah in a sense, uh, mm-hmm. an anointed one as a priest. You have David, anointed quote Messiah, mm-hmm. as a as a king. And then you have Elijah uh, as a prophet, anointed uh, as a Messiah like figure because he had a special relationship with God. Now, the this Messiah was supposed to come, and they had different views of what he would do. Mm-hmm. Okay, what did what were these groups waiting for the Messiah to do? Well, some thought he'd be a military leader, conquering with force. Right. Right. He's coming in to right. clean house and take control. Yeah. Now, yes. real quick. So Messiah was a normal word to be used. Like when I think Messiah, I only think of Jesus. Correct. Yeah, Me most too. people do. Yeah. And they would have, Messiah would have been a, a normal term for them to use for different people, different things. Yeah. Okay. So let's take the root word. The word Messiah, Mashiach. Mashiach is Messiah. Jesus' name is Yeshua HaMashiach. That would be his name. Mashiach would be Messiah. At the root word, it means anointed one. But at the root of that, you have anointing with an oil. So whenever a person was, quote, anointed with the oil, mm-hmm. remember, it would come on their head, run down right. their beard, they would anoint a king, a prophet, or a priest. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, now we say the Messiah, Jesus right. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, mm-hmm. not just Mashiach, or Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah, but a lot of people could be referred to as Messiah-like figures okay. or anointed figures or holding a divine office. Now, to say that a person was Messiah, you have to remember, was a political statement declaring war, if you will, or declaring an attack on Rome. That's what you were saying mm-hmm. in the first century, basically. If you said Jesus is the Messiah or anybody was the Messiah, you're basically saying we're going to overthrow the government and we're going to control, uh, we're going to take back control of Israel and we're going to take over what is rightfully ours. Now, for mm-hmm. some, the Messiah was someone who'd come to bring peace to Israel, to restore what was once theirs with Solomon and David when they were reigning in the land. Some believed it was going to happen by force, by destroying the Romans and the Greeks. Uh, so they had a lot of different views about who the Messiah was, okay? Guess how many Messiahs rose up 100 years before and 100 years after Jesus? Just well, to show you the... I've already said 130, so 130 now I'm just going to say Because remember, it was a death sentence. And by mm-hmm. the way, every Messiah that rose up had the same pattern. They claimed to be Messiah. They gathered a following. They tried to overthrow the government, and they all ended by death. Mm-hmm. And the wow. movement fizzled out. Wow. It was done. They rose to power, gathered a following, died. The movement fizzled out. Every one of them, the same thing. Guess how many Messiahs? 17. 12. There were ten to twelve. There's a speculation. Okay, let me give you a couple of them before the time of Jesus. You've never heard of these. The charismatic leader by the name of Hezekiah. He was the chief of kind of a zealot movement uh, that came on the scene, claimed to be Messiah that would restore Israel. He died. Uh, They destroyed him. A couple years later, a man by the name of Simon who was a slave of Herod. Simon apparently was a big, giant man. He crowned himself Messiah, rallied together a group of bandits. They went to plunder the royal palace of Jericho, and their fate was what? Mm, Death. Death, okay? After Simon, another guy says, I'll I'll try it too. (laughs) You know, might as well. I mean, it's like a death sentence here, right? The Mm. the next guy was uh, Athrongus. Uh, who was an assistant to a poor shepherd. Uh, he was a shepherd boy, uh, came, came again, 
rose up, claimed to be Messiah, launched an attack against the Roman forces foolishly. He too was caught and executed. Now you may know a few from the New Testament, right? Acts chapter five. Remember when uh, Gamaliel or, or Gamaliel is in the uh, court with the Sanhedrin and he's debating over whether Paul or whether Peter and the disciples are from God or not. Remember, and he says, mm-hmm. if this is of the Lord, it'll it'll not be stopped. If it's mm-hmm. not of the Lord, it'll fizzle out. Right. Remember the example he gives. He gives an example. Go go with me. I'll show it to you. Acts chapter five. This is an interesting example, just to show you in the Bible of a movement that started and fizzled out, and uh, Gamaliel actually, or Gamaliel, will actually reference this movement and basically show that this is something that people knew about. Okay, here it is right here. Uh, Verse 36, Candy. Some time ago, Thaddeus. Yeah, Thaddeus, Thaddeus. Thutis? No. I don't know. Listen, you say it with confidence. Say it with confidence. Yeah. Nobody knows. I would like to know, though, the correct way. <laughs> we, um, you know, they teach us that in seminary. Oh, do they? Yeah, if you don't know how to say the Hebrew word or the Greek word, you say it with authority and people believe Yeah, it. nobody knows. Yeah, well, I want to know it right. Okay, okay. so some time ago, Thotis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. Okay, so now now we have another one mm-hmm. just on record in the Bible, but he's not finished yet. He's going to give you another one, 37. After this man, Judas the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished, and all of his followers were scattered. Okay, so now we have two different so-called messiahs. Right. Uh, before Jesus, who r- rise up and claim to be Messiah, and they die. The Bar Kokhba revolt after Jesus is another one. Guy rises up. Mm-hmm. He even convinces the high priest he's the Messiah, and, and he's destroyed. So why is that important? The Jewish culture was waiting for mm-hmm. the, the Messiah to come. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to understand, here's why. Not only were they paying a tithe to the church, a tenth of their income, which some people believe with the tithes and the festivals. Way more than that. Yeah, and the other offerings, it came to about 23% of their income, okay? In addition to that, they had heavy taxation from the Romans, and not to mention uh, at any time they could be stopped by a tax collector. It was estimated, you ready for this, that in some regions of, of, the, of the Israel uh, country, some regions, they actually were taxing, taxing people up to 50% of their income. Wow. Mm. You talk about oppression. Mm-hmm. You talk about um, anxiety. Right. Okay. This forms the group of the zealots who basically say, we're not waiting anymore. We're taking matters into our own hands, right? Mm-hmm. And so after the Maccabean revolt, these groups rise to power and they basically set the stage for something that's coming. And we're making our, we're marching toward the New Testament. I promise you, we're getting toward the New Testament when God is going to speak through the prophets, mm-hmm. uh, through his last prophet, John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. The Messiah is coming, but we have to set the stage. And I want to build the case for you that John the Baptist's words were so profound. It was the first prophetic word of God spoken in 400 years. Now we know that, but let me set the stage for some other things that were happening, Andrew, that you may not know about. There are three big events that happen in the history of Israel that I would bet most people listening are unfamiliar with. Let's hear them. In fact, the second one I'm going to tell you I shared this with a friend of mine who's a pastor. Uh, he's got a PhD in preaching, good friend of mine. And I actually shared it in Israel when we were in Israel. And mm-hmm. after the trip, he said to me, that insight alone, this is his words, 
was the greatest insight I've learned in the last 15 years. Wow. That's what he told me. And I thought, wow. And I said, do you think a lot of people know this? He said, a lot of pastors have never heard what mm-hmm. you're about to say. No, it's in the text, so you're going to see it, okay? The three big events that happened before the Maccabean Revolt, leading up to why John the Baptist coming and speaking as one in the wilderness, crying, prepare the way of the Lord, is so profound, is you have to go back to the year 591 B.C. Okay. Okay? 591 B.C. Why is that important? Well, it's... After the Babylonian captivity. No, it's before, before the Babylonian. Before the Babylonian captivity. Okay. God, what made the nation of Israel different than all the other nations of the world was a few things, but one main thing. What set them apart from all the other nations with their millions and multiple forms of gods and goddesses? The Ark of the Covenant? Ark of the Covenant, but what 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 is in the Ark of the, the Covenant? The presence. The presence of God. What set the nation apart was that they had their God living among them within them. His presence was there. Moses even said, hey, listen, if you don't go, boss. We ain't going. We ain't going. God, if you you don't go with us, I ain't going to go. I know what it's like to live outside of the Mm -hmm. presence. How different would our lives be today? That's a good way just to live all the time. How different would our lives be today, right? Mm -hmm. If we said, I don't want to do, I don't want to take this job, God, if you're not in it. I don't want to. I don't want to be in this relationship if you're not a part of it. I don't want to go to this ministry assignment yeah. if your presence is not there. And so God's presence obviously was everywhere, but He decided to restrain or mm-hmm. confine His presence to a box called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, leading up to their disobedience and their punishment, but with the Babylonian captivity in the year 586 BC. God begins to leave, quote, as Elvis said, leave the building. Mm. Elvis has left the building. God is about to leave the building. Turn with me, Candy, to Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18. Okay, while she's turning there, can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay, so all these other people that claim to be Messiah, did they fulfill in their mind any of the prophecies? They're like, oh, that prophecy must be talking about me. I fit that. You think they uh, thought that's that? That's a good or? question. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they claimed some mm-hmm. kind of scriptural evidence for their uh, cause. Yeah, okay. I'm sure they did. I don't know in depth about that. I just know some of the names. Mm-hmm. That that part of the history we don't have a lot of record of. Right. So it's not. Um, yeah. Just wondering. It's not as as written about as Jesus's life, obviously. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18. Now, Ezekiel was writing, and let me give you the year, 591 B.C. Put a mark there on a calendar of a timeline. 591 B.C. The Babylonian captivity is 586 B.C. The Assyrians come in in the late, uh, or or the 720s, okay? So 720-ish. The Assyrians is the first wave which is the 10 tribes first, they wipe them out. And then the last two tribes, they're going to take out in the Babylonian captivity in 586 BC. That's all you have to remember is by 586 BC, all of Israel is devastated and the temple is decimated. They're going to destroy the temple completely because of the disobedience yeah. of the people. Now, before the temple is destroyed, God's like, I'm out. Because of you guys, I'm gone. Okay, and we see this in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18. So read this, read verses 18 and 19. Watch this. Okay, then the glory of the Lord moved away from the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. The cherubim lifted their wings and ascended from the earth right before my eyes. The wheels were beside them as they went. 
the glory of the God of Israel was above them, and it stopped at the entrance to the eastern gate of the Lord's house. Okay, so you see the glory of God, the presence mm-hmm. of God that was inside of the Ark of the Covenant now lifting up. You see this chariot rising above, and now it's going to move away from the presence of God. And so now you see God's presence removed from the people. Now, why is that a problem for the nation? I mean, everything about their life revolved around God's presence being right where it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Imagine your dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the, just look at it practically today in the world. When a child is raised with an absentee father, right. we know the effects on mm-hmm. the, the child as they're reared. Mm-hmm. Imagine a nation that is dependent upon the presence and the power of God, right. and now God is leaving. So if you're taking notes, the first point I want to make is, and there are three of them, we see the presence of God removed from his people. And if that's not enough, Andrew, which that could be enough. Too. Okay. Well, but it's just about the text. Okay. It says, the glory of the God of Israel was above them, and it stopped at the entrance to the eastern gate of the Lord's house. Mm. Why did he stop there at the eastern gate? Well, do you have an idea or are you asking me? I'm asking you. Okay, I have an idea. Because the eastern gate is significant. Yes. Why? Well, is, is Jesus is supposed to come back and go through the eastern gate. Yes. Yes. Which is concreted in, by the way, right yes. now. So here's a little so, fun wait, fact. Can we here. just talk about this? Here's a fun fact for a second. This Whatever you want to do. Candy. Tell people what you're candy. talking about because we're going off on a rabbit trail. Oh, which sorry. I, but okay. I think it's a good rabbit trail. The eastern gate is so the so according to Revelation, mm-hmm. Jesus is going to return on the Mount of Olives. He's going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. And, and geographically, if you know Israel and you can look at a map, Jesus is going to touch down the Mount of Olives and he's going to walk straight across through the valley. The Kidron Valley. Kidron Valley, through the valley, up and through the eastern gate of the temple. The temple, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the walls have different gates to get right. into the, uh, to the city. And the eastern gate to the city, and then he's going to walk to the Temple Mount. Now, that's that's what the Bible says. Okay, so Candy will tell you what she's talking about. So I just find it fascinating that so that eastern gate right now is concreted in, you know, like it's so that no one can pass and walk through it, which I think is hilarious because yeah. mm-hmm. they think that that's going to stop Jesus from coming through the gate. Yeah, so when the when the Muslims took over the the temple, they did two things to quote prevent the Messiah from returning to the city to the temple. You got to remember, Muslims who don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, although they believe Jesus is the prophet, the, mm-hmm. the, a good prophet, which they can't. As I had an, a, a, a dialogue. Or, or a friendly debate with a guy on the airplane back from Israel who was Muslim preparing for Ramadan. Um, we actually talked about this, and I said, do you realize Jesus can't be a prophet, even e- any kind of prophet, if you don't accept his words to be true? And Jesus said a few things that you have to wrestle with. One is he's the son of God. He mm-hmm. and the father are one. And he's the only way to heaven, only way to God. You know, And so you can't be a prophet. If he's not a good prophet, he's a false prophet. He needs to be right. stoned to death and disrespected and, 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 and discredited. However, th- the point is the Muslims have actually, outside of the Eastern Gate, created a burial site mm-hmm. with the bodies, if I'm not mistaken, buried where their feet are facing toward the Mount of Olives. Mm. Meaning that when the Messiah comes, they, why would, okay, so let, I'll ask you, Andrew, why would they put a cemetery Outside of the eastern gate, I mean, it's the whole it's the whole hillside. You look at it from Mount, the Mount of Olives; it's all a cemetery. 
Why would they put that there right outside the Eastern Gate? I have no idea. What can a holy man of God okay, not yeah, touch? Okay, yeah, not touch a dead body. A dead body or a corpse. Right. So the first line of defense, if you will, is they said, okay, we're going to put a burial site, which yeah. I think is comical. The second thing is they they, they submit, they put in in this in the cement wow. a, a wall that's how thick, Kenny? I think it's This like, says, I mean, I'm just, I haven't verified this, but it's on a website that says 16 feet of semen. Yeah, it sounds right. I was going to say 14, 15 feet. So 16 feet. Thick. Thick. Okay, wow. so 16 feet. They just cemented this thing in with concrete, mm -hmm. thinking, number two, that's going to prevent the Messiah to come through and walk to the Temple Mount. Now, we know both of those things are foolish. Why? Jesus can do anything. Jesus can walk through, Jesus can do whatever he wants. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think it's just fascinating that... Jesus is coming back and they're trying to do all these, you know, take all these precautions to prevent it. And yet, Candy makes this amazing insight. You're showing him the picture, yeah. yeah. Maybe we could put that on the well, line. What I love that on is the, that the uh, Muslims, whoever did that, believed in Jesus enough that they had to be fearful of him. Be fearful yeah. of him. We don't really believe he's the real guy, but just let's just take all case. these precautions let's, just in case. Let's, let's just, put this 16. Yeah. But okay, so here's the point she's making. I think it's fascinating, Candy. That is an interesting point I've never seen. Oh. That yeah, I hadn't seen that. Good job, Candy. Yeah, Thanks. great job. So so Ezekiel says the glory of God stops at the eastern gate and then departs away from God. Okay, and then what happens? He's going to come back through the eastern mm -hmm. gate and he's going to go back to the temple. So I think that's fascinating. I'll tell you another interesting thing about west and east. Okay, do you know that mm -hmm. when a person is outside of the will of God? Mm -hmm. Do you know which way they go? Oh, west every time. I don't know. I just said it with confidence. No, no, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, they actually go from west to east. That's what I meant. Okay. They actually are banished to the east. Mm -hmm. Okay. So whenever you see in the Bible east, it's not a good thing. Okay. When God banished the first couple from the garden, he banished them where? To the east. He sent them out to the east. Go through scripture. They're driven from the west to the east. Anytime they're away from God, mm -hmm. they're going to the east. When they return to God, they come from east to west. Why is that important? Remember what the psalmist says. Mm -hmm. or, or, or I think it's Isaiah, sorry. Isaiah says, uh, he will wash, wash away your sins, your sins as far, far as, as the what? He will cast your cast sins. Your wow. sins. Yeah, yeah. Far yeah. Says, east east to the west. is to the west. Now, what do we say as a preacher? Uh, I mean, the, What do we say as a preacher? They never stop. They just keep going. It's, it's Psalm. Yeah, sorry. I said Isaiah. It's Psalm. It's Psalm 103, 12. Yes, we always say, well, east to the west doesn't connect. Yeah. We come up with these creative American yeah. Western approach. Well, the east to the west doesn't connect. You can't connect east to the west. That, did, did a Jewish person think that way? No. They knew that I'll cast your sins as far as the east is to the west, meaning I'm going to bring you back to mm. God. Wow. Okay. From the east is to the west is your sins, but when you cast them, you come back into the presence of God. And so anybody who returns wow. to God goes back west to God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just a little side note. Um, okay. So where were we, Candy? So our Western you perspective were... is not so bad then, huh? Ooh, well, if, Ooh. We, if, if we come <laughs> back from the east. No, like <laughs> but, but we got to start from the east. You're right. You see you're that? right. You're we right. can use the west, but we got to start from the east. I like that. I like so that. you were saying how the presence of God had departed okay. and that you were going to name the other two. Okay. Presence of God departed and we're going to leave you with a cliffhanger. Ooh, so the other, the next, next week you do not want to miss. Why? Because next week we're going to talk about God's place being removed. And this is the one that the pastor told me. I've never heard this in my 
life before. You don't want to miss it. Next week, we'll pick it up. Okay. Wow. Great cliffhanger. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Candy. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Man, we love meeting new people and helping them learn this stuff as I'm learning as well. Uh, and also, if you'd like to connect with us, we'd love to connect with you on social media. So you can find us on Instagram at The Forgotten Jesus Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you on the next one.